Welcome to episode 71. I'm Josh Lyons, your host. My guest for this episode is Colin from Deal With God. Shout out to Rob Antonucci for making the new intro. Uh, as always, give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram at Enterprise Hardcore Podcast, on Twitter at Podcast Hardcore. Uh, you'll find out about all the upcoming episodes and like uh, upcoming shows in the area on those uh, sites. And on the Instagram, you usually find like Nostalgic Hardcore and stuff like that. Uh, thanks to everybody who's been supporting the Patreon so far. Uh, I'm going to be doing some live stuff, like I've been saying this summer. So just trying to get a couple more things uh, pretty much all the way there, though, now. So uh, like I said, this is episode 71. I'm going to be talking with uh, Colin from Deal With God. Uh, how's everything going for you tonight, man? Good, man. Uh, I'm actually over at Recess Coffee right now. It's the only spot I could do this at. I hope it's not too noisy in the background. No, It'll be all right. We'll see how everything goes on my end. Um <laughs> But yeah, no, we're going to talk about Deal With God, obviously, but we'll talk about some other stuff first. Um, I like to kind of do things in a timeline. So uh, let's kind of jump back and talk about your upbringing first. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm originally from Binghamton, New York, which is about an hour south of Syracuse, down 81. Um, I was just down there last night, actually, to see Death Before Dishonor cruel hand and year of the knife um i started going to shows probably around uh 2006 uh, my first show was uh, at this old skate park in johnson city which is like adjacent to binghamton uh, it's called east coast terminal it's like a skate park bmx type deal um pretty sure it was an all local lineup for the most part a lot of no-name bands um the biggest band that i can remember being on was recon from albany um and that was just kind of like something i fell into uh i was really into like skateboarding and uh just alternative music in general uh, warp tour was like a really big thing when i was that age um so me and a friend who skated uh, got handed a flyer for this show that was going on at the skate park and we hit it up and I loved it. Um, and from there on out, you know, people hand you flyers for other stuff coming up. I think like MySpace was like a really big thing then too. So you see flyers for other stuff going on. Uh, and I was just hooked. I couldn't get enough of it. Um, pretty much just a, attended shows until I was like uh 19 or 20 uh, mostly just like a spectator uh, i had a bunch of friends that were like you know well you should do something why don't you get involved more like well i don't know what i could do and they're like well you what do you play an instrument i played guitar when i was like 15 um but i was no good at it and i didn't have anybody to play with so they're like well you should sing for a band like, all right well i'll give it a shot and uh i ended up starting up this band called sinkhole with a couple of friends of mine uh, I don't know if that's like a good place to start. Or not. Yeah, that's perfect. Now, I think that the skate park you're talking about is the same place uh, in like 98 or 99, probably 99. I saw AFI and Ensign. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember the flyer for that. Yeah, I think that's where it was. Right. At that place. Yeah. Yep. Same spot. Yeah. Same spot. Yeah, that's pretty cool. There was a the connection there still to that. Now, obviously, we're going to get to all like you booking a lot of shows there and stuff. Yeah. Um, but when you were kind of like you were saying a spectator, was there a lot going on in the Binghamton area or was it just like the occasional show here and there? Yeah, I think Binghamton's an interesting city for um, specifically hardcore, for just the arts in general. I think it's a real hidden gem. And um, it's you know how your upstate cities have like 
buried alive and earth crisis and snap case and stuff like that one came down and there was really never like a large entity to come out of binghamton um everything's been super underground for a long long time and in a way it still is um and i love that about it but you know, there were like older bands that local bands that just kind of never broke out that i used to go see all the time um the band called any last words that i really liked um it's hard for me to remember. <laughs> um, ALW, I'd say, is probably like the most long-standing one out of all of those. Um, yeah, there's bands here and there that like filter in and out, and stuff that maybe some people wouldn't even consider hardcore, more like deathcore or like uh, screamo or stuff of that nature. Yeah, because I I, I want to say when I was coming up, it seemed like Binghamton was more of like a punk scene. I could be wrong, though, mm-hmm. but in the 90s, it seemed yeah. like they had more of a punk vibe there. And so I'm always yeah, curious, like, where, like, the influence kind of shifts or whatever, you know what I mean? And then, I'm not entirely sure. I just, yeah. I do know that, like, from my own digging and my own uh, just talking to people, it really is, like, at its roots, a, what I call, like, a beer punk scene. Like, people really have, like the studded jackets and the back patches and people really, you know, shows are always at bars or at houses and it's, it's a party for everyone. Everyone's a big family there. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where like maybe hardcore comes into play there. It's never, it's kind of gray area. And like, depending on what people would call hardcore, like I kind of have my own meat and potatoes vision of it. Um, but, you know, there's definitely never a band like Madball that's come out of it, but there's definitely hardcore punk bands uh, there was this band called 607 that was from there that played up in Syracuse and Rochester at the time. Um, and they were more, you know, like they would call themselves hardcore, I think, at the time. You know, they definitely are hardcore, but it's just not uh, really what I had in mind when I was older. And I, I guess speaking to Syracuse and Rochester before we like get into your bands and booking shows and stuff, uh, were you already kind of like traveling to out of town shows and whatnot by that point, too? By the time you started doing really bands and shows? Gra- yeah, once I graduated high school uh, was when I started traveling. I had a couple friends that, like, because I drove, but uh, I never had a reliable car at all. My parents wouldn't let me. And so I think I just ended up lying to them. One of the first shows I went to out of town was in Syracuse, and I loved it. Um, hard for me to remember specifically which was my first, because I know I'd seen a couple Lost Horizon shows um, when I was, like, 18, 19, 20. And that venue, Padlands, was rocking pretty hard back then, too. Um, we were seeing a lot of, like, what you know today is, like, the traditional Syracuse hardcore, like, black and white flyer type shows. Um, went to a couple shows down in Wilkes-Barre with friends. They had a cool venue down there called Redwood Art Space that was doing a lot of DIY stuff. Uh, I got to see, like, Terror there. That was a big eye-opener for me. Yeah, it's pretty funny that there's the uh, probably even like copyright logo, uh, Syracuse Hardcore Flyer font at this point. You know, everybody around the world knows that, you know. I'm not sure what the specific name of it is. I know it's really similar to uh, like the Star Wars font. Yeah. It's just funny because like even other cities now you see kind of like aping that style. Like sometimes with the flyers, like it's like you like everybody kind of makes that that style sometimes you know so i've noticed yeah there's um even recently within the last couple of months or so like places like uh louisville and north carolina have used that same exact yeah. layout it's just i i like it i think it's yeah. cool no it's, it's, it's definitely really cool um, north carolina is one of the ones i was thinking about too yeah um so what came first i guess like playing in, in the band or, or, or booking shows for you it kind of came 
it like as a necessity of the other uh, me and uh, a couple of friends that I had met just like through hardcore from high school we had graduated from high school uh, it's my friend Evan from MH Chaos he now lives in Chicago uh, he played bass for St. Cole uh, my buddy Ken and then a couple other people who are just kind of like dropouts now but you know no shade to them they just they're not involved anymore um but me and evan kind of took over and we were just like well we have this band going you know we're jamming and we were really heavily influenced by um more just like beatdown centric bands uh really liked bands like line of scrimmage and cdc we were really into all the ids stuff uh terra everybody gets hurt stuff like that from new york city um and we were just like well no one's really booking like people were booking shows in binghamton but they were it was a lot of pop punk and it was a lot of like what you would consider like mall metal like deathcore stuff it was very like flashy and um people that act like rock stars and it's no one was doing like true hardcore so we just kind of one day were like well you know, if they can do it, we can do it. Like, why don't we just get a contact for people? You know, it's still a DIY community down there. People were only ever really booking at like American legions and stuff in bars. We were like, why don't we just get the phone number for this American legion? We'll start doing it ourselves. And so we found a couple friends uh, who wanted to play. And I, I got to pull up the flyer. I think the first show we did um, was a bunch of no name and not no name bands, but smaller bands at the time. Um, it was that band, Any Last Words, I talked about. There was more of like a like a skinhead style band called Revoked from there, from Binghamton that played. Um, Vice from Staten Island played. Menace from Central PA. And a band called Hometown Hate from Pittsburgh played. And that was uh, our first effort. And it did super well. You could tell that there were a lot of people that were uh, hungry for that in Binghamton. That, like really didn't know what they were looking for until they saw it. Uh, and we opened and we got a good reaction. So we were like, fuck yeah, just keep doing it. Did you keep booking shows like just to have shows for your band to play or like eventually you yeah, ended up booking like more too? Kind of. Um, we had friends bands that wanted to play, but we were really the only kind of local quote unquote hardcore band going in Binghamton. So we were like, well, if we want to play shows. And at, at the time we were only really doing it every couple months. It was like, you know, one here, one there. Just because it was expensive. Um, just to run out the room and get the PA. We were so young working part-time jobs. Um, I think like the second one we did was a little bit bigger. We did Strength for a Reason with Lifeless from New Jersey, a band called Anguish from New Jersey. Any Last Words played. And we had our friends in No Zodiac. That was like when they were a new band from Chicago, come on out and play. Um, and that showed it really, really well. That was like one of No Zodiac's first East Coast appearances. And this was like, and this was like 2012, 2013, or even a little bit before that. Yeah, I would say this was probably 2012, if I had to guess. Yeah, to, uh, that was like September 2012. And then so it was did right after we started, probably Sinkhole started in the summer, and then we started booking shortly thereafter. And did you guys like eventually start playing out of town shows too, or? Yeah, uh, we played a ton in Pennsylvania. That band Menace that came up, uh, we became really, really good friends with them. We used to play down in like Williamsport a bunch, uh, like down in Central PA, Altoona area. And uh, I can't remember who first booked us in Syracuse, but 
I know we did play Badlands a couple of times. Uh, one of those was with, oh shit, I can't even remember. Uh, I want to say Naysayer played. Um, we opened. Uh, we definitely, so this is 2012. Uh, we played the News Day 2013 show. We opened that. Uh, and that was just through like, Evan had lived in Syracuse. He went to college in Syracuse and then moved back to Binghamton. He was only up here for a semester or two, uh, but he made friends with the Reaper Records crew and the Cabal guys and the Trail of Lies guys. And they just kind of saw that there was a young band from Binghamton starting up and threw us on that lineup. I'm very honored to be a part of it. And is that kind of like how you started building your connections to end up wanting to, to move to Syracuse eventually? Like obviously kind of skipping ahead a little bit. Yeah. I mean, um, we were very honored to play that and they were always very welcoming. Syracuse has always been like a second home to me. Those, that group of people um, really, really have always treated me well and treated me like family. And I'm very appreciative of them. Um, it's funny because people used to say, you know, like, well, why don't you just move up here? And I think up until a couple of years ago, um, I don't know if it's an ego thing or not, but I was just like, you know, I want to build Binghamton to be its own scene that it's never been before. Like, why would I try to leech on to somebody else's and just move into Syracuse and just be like, well, I'm Syracuse hardcore. It's like, I think Binghamton had a lot of potential and I wanted to see it through. And even, I, I can't remember what year Evan moved away. Um, Sinkle was very short-lived. I think we were done in the middle. We lasted maybe a year or two. Um, Evan ended up moving away a couple years later. And then I just kind of took the reins from booking uh, around 2015. And I ended up getting an offer for this band called Detain from Detroit. And they later became Never Ending Game. Um, but that show did really well. It was like Detain in a band called Society Sucker from North Carolina. And I was like, well, I don't need Evan's help. And it's you know, not that I'm not grateful for him, but I was like, I can do this by myself. Um, and I just started, you know, going around to bars and going around to legions that wouldn't have us there's a weird history in Binghamton where um a lot of rumors of like ruined venues as i'm sure you've heard through other cities it's just like you know people kind of put a bad taste in venue owners mouths back in the day from just fighting and destroying property uh, so it was hard for a while to just like find a nice secure spot to do shit at when did the whole like binghamton style thing end up coming into play um i was just mostly booking smaller stuff you know tours that i would get you know bands would hit me up and say hey we need a tuesday date uh, can you hook us up you know we're coming through through the northeast and we need something between philly and boston and i'd just be like yeah sure man i'll hook you up uh binghamton style was birthed through myself and my friend jordan who went to college in Oneyana. A couple of my friends went to college with, you know, I'd gone out there and visited them a couple of times. Sinkhole ended up playing with Incendiary at the college. Uh, one, it was like April of 13, it must have been. Um, so I met Jordan and then, you know, we kept in touch over the years. And I think the first Bing style was 2016. I know I'm kind of going all over the place with the timeline here, but uh, first Bing style was 16. I actually had something planned for April that was coming up and it was just you know it, a couple of smaller bands that i was looking to book uh just heavier beatdown bands it was like before i had wings and strength through suffering a lot of these like northeast hard hitters and jordan texts me and he's like hey man uh, i was actually thinking of setting something up on the same day and i was going to do it in oriana 
would you want to do it in Binghamton instead? And he had ran uh, that Oneana Punk Festival. I don't know if you're familiar with that. <laughs> the uh, the infamous Oneana Punk Festival. Uh, but he was looking to do something not quite of that. You know, that I think that was too big to fail or something. But we wanted to scale it down a little bit. So he tells me he's got cold as life in mind, which is a good fit for Binghamton at the time because I've got all these heavier, more beat down bands playing. Um, I said, fuck yeah, let's do cold as life. And we ended up doing it in April of 16. It was like cold as life, laid to rest. Um, band called Living Laser played, who became Mind Force later. Uh, Jesus Peace played. And that was at the skate, the skate park that we booked it at was um, a different one from the original one that I had gone to back in 2006. Uh, this one's all the way out in Bustle, New York, which is like further west. Uh, it's kind of cool. It's a DIY spot. It's like outdoor, indoor. We hit up the owner there, ended up getting things going, and it, it succeeded our expectations. You know, I honestly didn't know how well it would do because Binghamton really was just iffy on turnout. You never really had more than 100 people show up for a show. You know, the people that came out were really passionate about it, really excited to be there. And uh, I forget what the, the official number was, but it, it was in, insane. We just couldn't believe We were like, wow, man, like we got a band like Coldest Life to play here. Um, and people traveled from all over to see this. And the feeling after that was just like, man, we got to do this again. And we are we started planning for the second year. Well, that's pretty cool. You you booked uh, Cold as Life though. Any any crazy stories attached to that? <laughs> uh, no, not really. Um, they were super nice guys. Uh, definitely intimidating at first, but uh, they crushed it. And it it wasn't their original singer, uh, but it was still a very good Cold as Life set. So um, now I know eventually. You, you had uh, Trapped Under Ice play on one of them. Like, how many years did you guys do this for? And, like, how big did it become uh, eventually? It's only three years. Three years? Uh, it got bigger every year. So we did 16, 17, and 18. Yeah. Yeah, 16, 17, and 18. Uh, 17, we got District 9 to do a reunion uh, because they were also doing a reunion for FYA Fest. And that was uh, District 9, Dead End Path, Line of Scrimmage, Mind Force, Jukai, uh, Queensway, a couple other bands. Uh, originally, we had Harley Flanagan slated to play that underneath District 9. And, you know, some people were just a little uh, not down with the idea of Harley playing just, just because of his personality and the way that he, I mean, I was passionate about it. I was stoked on it. I saw his set from Sound and Fury in 17, and I was like, wow, man, this guy, he rips. Uh, he plays those Chromex songs as they should be played. And I had already seen John Joseph Chromex enough times where I was like, you know, like, that's cool. I, I think John Joseph Chromex is the superior version overall, but I thought it would be cool to bring Harley in and do, because we were like, oh, there's no way we're ever going to get Chromex in Binghamton, so let's just do kind of like the the Chromex, the diet Chromex. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy because um, now he's like now he is he has the name and everything. So yeah, it's, yeah, that's um, crazy. We ended up talking him though. Uh, he his agent was being crazy and they wanted a ton of money. And we were like, all right, fine, man. Like you're off. We're not gonna have like District Nine didn't want him on. Yeah, his agent was being an asshole. We were like, fine, you're gone. Yeah. Uh, and we were just brainstorming like who who can we get that's up that caliber that's like either there or above. 
And we already had dead end pass blanks. We were like, why don't we just try to get Cold World, see if another folks care band wants to hop on. And sure enough, Cold World was down. They ended up doing a weekend. It was like New York City, Binghamton, and Richmond. Yeah, I've only seen Cold World once, but I'm guessing that 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 had to have been pretty cool to have had that there, obviously, in Binghamton, you know. Um, yeah, it was crazy. I mean, it's it's funny because Binghamton's only it's an hour south of Syracuse and about an hour north of Wilkes-Barre. And those two scenes are just like so legendary and so full of history. And you know, we would just travel for a long time. Like we were just going down to Wilkes-Barre for shows, going up to Syracuse for shows. And I remember seeing Dead End Path when they were you know, in full force when like Cold World, Dead and Path, Title Fight, that whole crew of bands was like really going strong. And uh, I, I'm trying to remember if I had seen Cold World. I feel like I did. I think I saw them on like a couple Title Fight shows down there. Like they used to do a bunch of hometown shows. But having Cold World be able to play Binghamton with District, District 9 was one of those bands that Evan and I used to just like sit around and listen to and just geek over. Watching the New York Hardcore documentary, talking about weed spots and <laughs> my buddy my buddy jim and i did our top 50 breakdowns for episode 50 and i included i'm i'm horrible with song titles but there's a song in there that i included just because of how hard the breakdown sounds like on that new york hardcore documentary yeah it's just yeah, the yeah. one where he's just playing like open e like gen, 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 yeah. gen, gen. i forget what it's called i looked up our episode behind red tape. what's that that's not behind red tape that i think right? so yeah um yeah. There's a couple ones that are hard, but that just like on that video, the, the, the way he plays it and just the way it sounds is hard. But yeah, yeah. no, that 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 documentary is hilarious. And the, the shit that that dude says about yeah. this shit's whack and you know, <laughs> we the weed spots, and yeah, we used to quote that shit all the time back in the day. We used to watch that all the time. Like yeah. he had a DVD copy and he showed me that and I, it just blew my mind. Like again, I was always into hardcore and hardcore adjacent bands, but like finding out about uh, Madball and Crown of Thorns and District 9, like all in VOD, all in one video, was like really, really uh, eye opening for me. Yo, I don't think I've ever said this on here before where I got my copy. I traded a bunch of my fanzines in the year 2001 to uh, Rick to Life uh, through his <laughs> distro, and he had a bunch of random shit. And I was like, yo, let me get a copy of that too. And that's where I, I don't have it anymore because someone who shall remain nameless that was on an episode prior uh, borrowed it, and never gave it back. So. Yeah. Uh, I ended up putting down my own DVD copy and a VHS copy later, yeah. so now I have both. Yeah, I mean we have YouTube now, so it's pretty easy to find, obviously. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I, I guess one thing I'm kind of confused by is, is you being a misgiver. Like, was that a band that was already around and you joined, like, as a vocalist later, or? Yeah, I was actually the third vocalist for Misgiver. Um, they had always they're from out in Elmira area, and I had always been friends with them. Um, they did a ton before I joined. Their original vocalist, I think, just kind of wasn't feeling it anymore. And I I want to say he wasn't able to do a tour. And so my buddy Ken, who was in Sinkle with me, ended up jumping on and singing for him. And then he became their permanent vocalist for a while until he moved to North Carolina. And uh, once he had moved, they were kind of like, hey, hey, man, you know, you sang for St. Cole, you were good friends with Ken, he backs you, would you want to jump on this? And, you know, I, was, I didn't know if I wanted to sing for a band again. I think I definitely wanted to be in a band again, but I didn't play an instrument. And so, you know, I was super down for it. I knew all the words already. And they had had 
a weekend slated already and it was supposed to be like on broken wings with buried dreams and vain i think and we were opening and I, don't ask me why i have no idea <laughs> but I, that was supposed to be like my first run of shows with them and i hadn't done vocal for bands in years and i think we ended up dropping because i like i just wasn't ready for it uh, but we went on to do a couple things later i i put out a two-song demo with them uh we played canada we did like a quick weekend up in canada um and just played pretty regionally for the most part you know we played like up in new hampshire down in baltimore uh we did a run with mtv's riffraff uh, that was interesting the rapper yeah 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 the riffraff the rapper we um we did four days opening for him <laughs> How that all? I don't. I'm. I'm so. Uh, I'm really confused. Played, like, how, was, how would you even hook that up with them? Uh, our drummer Joey, he did a lot of booking and promotion professionally, uh, just as an agent. And I'm not sure how how it. I think it started as a joke, and we were just kind of like, you know, Joey, you're getting, you're setting up these shows for Riff Raff in the region. What if we opened? And then he submitted us and they accepted it. Um, and it was cool. Like I'm always down for mixed bill shows. I love mixed bill shows. I think it introduces people to hardcore in a way that they wouldn't normally. It's the same energy when you go to like a hip hop show or a rap show. Um, people are down for like jumping around and just like going hard. Uh, so we played, it was out in Corning was one of the days. Rochester, Albany, and Philadelphia with Riff Raff. I think the first night was in Philly. And uh, we didn't really know what to expect, but people ate it up. They loved us. Um, Did you sell a lot of merch? Surprising. Did you sell merch to his crowd? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, he was really interesting. Uh, definitely a character. For sure. And it, he's a character in the same way that a lot of those old New York hardcore guys are. He just really has his own larger than life personality. Um, and it's just, it's a funny, like, I don't want to call him a joke rapper, but it was a fun time. Well, allegedly that, I don't know what the movie's called, Spring Breakers, maybe, with, with James James Franco. Yeah. Allegedly that's based off of Riff Raff, or, or he claims that anyways. So, I've never seen that movie, but I, I've heard that. Yeah. yeah, I've never seen it either. Well, no, I might I might have watched it. I late night type thing, you know. Um, but so, yeah, yeah. Did you like like when did you decide you were going to move to Syracuse? And like, did you keep booking shows in Binghamton like right until like you moved to Syracuse? I guess. For the most part, we ended up doing the last thing so we did was in twenty eighteen. Um, so I'm still booking shows pretty regularly through there. 18, um, you know, leading up into the year of 2018, I kind of shooting, I started shooting bigger, uh, ended up booking Leeway. Um, I booked All Out War, Sworn Enemy, Hoods, um, kind of just bigger bands that I never really thought I'd get the opportunity to book. And then I started working with this company who does upstate promotion after dark. They were sending me offers for down in Binghamton uh, because me and a group of friends started up this uh, kind of DIY art space venue 
uh, that we were just able to have free reign over. Um, it was intended to be a community art space uh, and performing arts falls under that umbrella. And it was just a, a nice spot where we wouldn't have to call up these legions and spend money anymore. And a lot of people are wary of attending house shows. You know, no one wants to go into someone else's home. Um, and those always end up as kind of like a party anyway. And then bars, same deal. We were always trying to promote like a positive and productive scene where, you know, I wasn't straight edge up until 2018. Um, but we always wanted to give this play, you know, it's an all ages thing. We want kids to be able to show up. And if you're booking exclusively at bars, uh, kids that are under 21 can't get in. And that's just kind of hindering your own scene where you can't have uh, high school kids discover this the way that I did when I was younger, if they're not able to go see it. Uh, so we started this place called Avenue DIY, which was in Johnson City, a few blocks from where that skate park was. And uh, it hosted a bunch of different studio spaces within it where, you know, we had photographers in there, we had artists in there, and then it was a bunch of band studios as well. We're just like local bands would jam, write, practice and record. And there was like a main hallway area. That, honestly, it was probably like a hundred cap. And it, if you put a hundred people in there, it was packed. Uh, but that's where I was doing like leeway and hoods and all that work. And then was that space still up and running when you left uh, Binghamton, I guess, or? Oh, uh, uh, that was also pretty short-lived. I, yeah. My timeline's weird again. My memory's fading. Uh, I want to say that that place existed from like 17 to 19. Okay. I think we started it in like fall of 17. And then one of the last shows I did there was summer of 19. I booked Sanction and Jesus Peace. And that was the last show I did there. Okay. Uh, and it was really, there was no like no real reason other than the owner was trying to raise rent on us and we just couldn't afford it we were a bunch of kids working you know we have our own lives and our own jobs and that was almost like a full-time job in and of itself to run for that and to run that place and then we were paying for it out of pocket so all the rent was just like split five ways and we were trying to scrape and this guy comes up to us and he's like well you know the neighborhood's going up so rent's going up there was no budget with him um 18 so what i did sanction i'm trying to look at my flyer list here yeah sanction sorry sanction was 19 so fdiy went through 19 uh bing style 18 ended up being life of agony and that trap in the rice show you were talking about um which was another like dream come true for me because sinkhole opened for trapped in a rice on new year's day in 13 and if you had told me that tui would be playing binghamton uh, a couple years later, I, I wouldn't believe you. What kind of, what kind of, what kind of, how many people were showing up for the last one? I guess then, like that, that one, like you remember the that last show? one? Yeah, it was probably up over five hundred if you include all the bands and stuff. Wow, there's a lot of people. Yeah, it just grew. It grew every year. I want to say the first one was about 150. Um, the year District Nine played was about 300, and then TUI Life of Agony was closer to five. Wow! And it, honestly, it probably could have continued to grow. It's just um, there, it was only the two of us, and we really just couldn't handle the budget between the two of us and the production. And there's no venue to support that. You know, if, if more and more people are going to keep showing up every year, like we barely squeezed 500 people into that. It's a half pipe, and. There's just there's not a professional venue in Binghamton that will house that kind of capacity. 
So, I you know we tried. We we had a planning planning stage for um, twenty nineteen to do a fourth one, and we just kind of decided it was better to not. Um, there's a new kid down there now. He he booked that Death Before Dishonor show last night, and I think he's got a good head on his shoulders and he and I have talked about, you know, well, what if we did another one, you know, maybe we should bring it back. And I think if Binghamton has a scene to support it and upstate is growing, uh, why not? Now I know it's something you probably haven't really planned, but like if you were, if that kid were to do something like that, would you help him out with something like that? Or that'd be more just something where you give him like, like, uh, like tips and stuff here and there. Either or, uh, if he wanted me to, I would, I would love to see him be able to do it himself. Obviously I would want him to keep it kind of, we had our own brand almost where, I mean, he, he gets it. Like he, he gets hardcore in a way that a lot of people in things don't kind of understand, you know, they're stuck in that more punk rock phase of things. Uh, and he really like understands uh, true, like capital H hardcore. <laughs> now um, I feel like that the, with the timeline, and we're going to jumble around again a little bit because I keep asking like different topics that kind of uh, blend yeah, yeah. together. But kind of sticking with the Binghamton and the shows, I feel like it's kind of a, a self-explanatory answer because COVID hit the next year. But like, was there a lot of uh, inactivity there up until like when this kid, like from when you stopped up until when this kid started doing shows recently? Yeah, certainly. I mean, part of the reason that I stopped was I was just tired. Um, I was doing a lot of stuff myself. And there were other people doing things in Binghamton. Don't get me wrong. Um, there's a really strong punk scene there. There's a really strong like grindcore power violence scene there. Um, I just I couldn't handle doing everything myself and just like you, you never make money off of this ever. Um, I was always paying for stuff out of pocket, and it's I'm never moving forward with my life. And I had met Dylan and Lucas and a couple other people up here who were the younger crowd, uh, just through doing stuff in Binghamton. You know, they were coming down to see what I was doing in Binghamton. I was booking their bands down there. Um, and eventually they were just like, yo, man, like you should just move up here. Like, So I moved to Syracuse in the summer of 2020. So it was the middle of the pandemic. Um, and it was honestly, it was just an impulsive thing. Like I really... I never wanted to fully move. I always told myself, well, it's only an hour drive. Like I'll just, people do that all the time. If you think about like people on Long Island driving into New York city all the time, stuff like that, you know, it's really not that bad of a drive. Um, I think I just outgrew my roots in Binghamton as a whole. You know, I, I've seen and done everything there is to do there. And it was time to kind of grow and just get a change of scenery. But as far as hardcore goes, um, I booked that sanction show with Jesus Peace in 2019. It was the summer of 19. And that was one of the last hardcore shows to happen there up until last night, honestly. I mean, it's, it's hard because I don't really keep in touch with uh, what's going on down there. Um, there's still bands down there. People still do stuff, but it is very, very underground. Like, you really don't hear about it. A lot of those people don't have social media. Uh, and in a way, I love that. I love that it's just like super old school. People make their own flyers. It's a lot of word of mouth. And it's it's just friends supporting friends. Um, but, yeah, I think the longest standing band now that's down there that's still a hardcore band is this band called Unethical. They're like a vegetarian band. Not even like vegan or vegan straight edge. They're just like straight up vegetarian. Which I rock with that. 
That's cool. Um, yeah, I mean, it sounds like it's only like five or six months before everything locked down anyway. So it's not like there was really yeah, yeah. much of a, a gap there. And and kind of jumping back to one thing you said about the venues, is is that something I talk about on here a lot? Is like there's not a lot of all ages spots here right now in Rochester. Like Bug Jar has a lot of shows, and that's like 18 or 21 and up. Uh, I mean, you got Chaos Compound, but but you know, I haven't honestly haven't even been there yet. But it doesn't seem like a huge place for like bigger shows. And plus, that's more like one of the ask a punk type places, so you can't really put like a lot of information on the flyer. So like we don't have a ton of. Like, I want to start booking shows again. And that's one thing I think about. Like, I mean, I'm in my 40s now, so I don't want to like, go up and like approach teenagers either yeah. way. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but like somebody has to and we have to have like a spot to have the shows. So like it's just something that, that I think about a lot here. Like I don't I don't think there's a ton of all ages spots here right now in Rochester. You know what I mean? So Binghamton for a while, I was doing a lot of stuff um, like during FDIY and prior to that, I had found this bar called Fitzy's Pub, which is right in downtown Binghamton. And they'd always done punk shows for as long as like, you know, when I was in high school, they were doing punk shows and kids would sneak in there. And I mean, that's really the punk thing to do is just like come in the back door, help a band load in gear. And so when I started doing shows there, I booked like, I booked Late to Rest there, I booked Waking the Cadaver there. Um, and those were always just crazy, insane turnouts of just, you're putting a hundred people in this shotgun bar that's only supposed to fit like 50 people. And it's a dive bar. It's shitty. Um, it's smaller than the bug jar is. And it's 21 up. And the owner was very, very strict on that for a long time. I was just like, hey, you know, you won't budge if I give you some extra money. Can you make it 18 up? And it, because they don't have a kitchen, it's New York State law. It has to be 21 up because they serve alcohol. And I'll say, you know, I'll go on record. I used to just sneak kids in. If people would hit me up and they weren't 21 and I had friends, I'd tell them to meet me at the door. I'd put a big old B on their hand or something and just say, oh, no, they're with the band. Don't worry about it. Well, what band are you with? Oh, don't worry about it. Uh, and then you just help them load in gear and they're in and they have a good time. And I, my thing with them is just like, you know, as long as you don't get hurt, you promise not to sue, you don't do any of that shit. Uh, we're good to go. I mean, you can come in anytime. Because I want those kids to be able to experience that. You know, if you're really itching to see this band play, I who am I to stop you? Yeah, we used to do all ages matinee shows at the Bug Jar, like early 2000s. So I don't know if they would go back to doing something like that or not. You know what I mean? But um, it's just something I think about a lot because I want to start doing shows and like I feel weird doing like 18 and over, 21 and over shows. You know what I mean? But what are you gonna do? Yeah, no. I always when I anytime I brainstorm with people about venues, um, I try to think of just kind of obscure obscure places where it's like anywhere can be your venue and you can you can book a show anywhere anytime. Uh, I was working for this spot in Binghamton for a couple of years called Garage Taco Bar, and it really is just like it's a bar restaurant. And the owner, he was involved with the scene. He was never really like, he's just an attendee. Um, but we had approached him and we were just like, hey, man, restaurants closed on Sundays. Like, do you want to make some money on Sundays? And we started bringing in bands, just regional bands and having them play. You know, you move all the tables and chairs out of the way and set up bands and the bar makes money. And he, he was stoked on it. Like, you just think of these weird places like we did. Um, going forward, like Undeath played the DIY skate spot in Syracuse last summer. And like all that was was just us getting a PA set up in a tennis court in the city of Syracuse and just like doing it. Um, you really can do anything anywhere. I, 
I'm still a big advocate for anything. If you're doing a hardcore show, it should be all ages. Was that like DIY, like like Section Hate, like California, like DIY style though, like the the on death show you're talking about? Yeah. Did you not hear about that? I, I feel like I did, but I, obviously I didn't go to it. I feel like I definitely heard about it because didn't one of yeah, your band, was, didn't one of Dylan's bands play that or? Yeah, the Thrill played. And That's what I thought. Like I know. Yeah, I, I remember that show happening, but I don't. I, I guess I didn't realize that it was like a like a real DIY type of gig. Yeah, there's time. video of it online. Um, it's this cool little DIY skate spot. It's uh, just kind of like abandoned tennis courts in the city of in the city of Syracuse. And, uh, you know, kids skate there all the time. And Lucas had the hookup for that where he, you know, he goes there enough. Uh, we just, I don't know, you know, I'm not sure how all that comes about. You'd have to talk to Lucas about it. But um, really all we did was just set up a PA system in the corner of this like DIY skate park. And it started as a joke. We were just texting back and forth with Alex on death. And originally it was like, hey, man, do you want to play Memorial Day weekend in our backyard? You know, we'll have a barbecue on death can play. People come hang out. And he was like, yeah, sure. And then we were like, well, why don't we like make it an actual show instead of trash in our house? Like, what if we moved this somewhere and did a real show? And this was when people like in May of last year, people really weren't too savvy on doing shows like that mad ball show happened at Tompkins square park and even then people were just like no fucking way like you can't be doing this and so we were like i don't know if people are going to support this or not but it was really it was at the start of the summer people were going out more people were outdoors and we were like well if we do it outdoors maybe people will come and I, again i don't have the official number on it but i want to say there was a couple hundred kids there and it was all you hear about this from everyone across the board. It's just young kids who like, whether they discovered it through TikTok or the internet or whatever, it's just, they're coming out for the first time and seeing a hardcore band or a metal band play and they're falling in love with it. And they just like, they want more, they're hungry for it. Yo, some fucking tech guru guy listening to this shit, like give me ideas on getting this shit on TikTok because I really got to start yeah. tapping in that market. I've been thinking about that lately. I was talking to my girlfriend the other day about that. It's, I don't, it's hard, it's so hard to keep up with all these different mediums that, that come along every couple of years. You know what yeah, I mean? I'm not a TikTok. I'm super behind on, uh, I'm only 29, but like I don't keep up with technology, right? Like I barely know how to use the computer I'm using right yeah. now. Before we dive into to deal with God, the way you're kind of talking about like helping out with that show, like do you help out with with other shows in Syracuse, or is it or is it just kind of like you give ideas? Um, like- it's mainly Lucas. Lucas is like Lucas Reed. He's like the he's young. He's only he's 21. Um, but for a long time, you had like the Trail of Ice crew and the Reaper Records crew doing a whole lot for Syracuse, and then uh, Trail of Ice just kind of dissipated, and those guys moved away. And there really wasn't a whole lot going on for a couple of years. Um, Spark, which was adjacent to Badlands, closed down. And you really don't have a DIY spot anymore. There was this place called The Warehouse that was run by a bunch of punks. And that place closed down. And so you just don't have a DIY spot. You don't have this energy coming from the old heads. Um, and Lucas has always done his own thing through uh, the town shop and Camillus. And he just kind of picked up the torch. And he's the guy that does New Year's Day. And he's at the forefront for most of what you see here. I mean, I, we're all involved to an extent, uh, but he really is like the main guy. Uh, I, I don't say I'm retired from booking. I'm always here for advice and I'm here to help and I'm here to pitch in when I can, you know, whether it's with money or like throwing a band on a bill, having an idea, 
but I think hardcore is for the youth. And I'm turning 30 this year, and I think it should be the younger crowd that's picking it up and do it. Because if I just do this forever, I feel like it's always just going to be me. And that's how I felt in Binghamton was there, there was no younger kids just picking up after me. And I almost had to leave for that to happen. Um, so I love that Lucas is doing what he's doing. Very appreciative of it. Yeah, it definitely sounds pretty like there's, there's there's always shit coming up there. You know what I mean? You guys have had some definitely established bands playing there, like since things reopened, you know what I mean? So he, yeah, so he and I did the Undeath gig together. Um he does a lot of the other stuff. I did Dare and Life's Question back in October. Um me, him, and Dylan are working on that buried alive show together that's happening next week. Um but he's yeah, he's like the New Year's Day guy. He's the He's the big brain. <laughs> so now, obviously, kind of getting into deal with God, I, I had Dylan on uh, episode 48. So I, I don't remember talking to him about it on there. Like, did you guys have the idea of doing a band like before you moved to Syracuse or was it something you more talked about, like when you were yeah. there? Um, Dylan and I had always gone back and forth about just like, you know, why don't you join a band with me? And I really I'm not down with singing in a band's. Um, it's not something I really ever want to do again. I mean, I would do it again. I'm open to the idea, but I'm not the type of personality that wants to be just at the forefront of everything. I don't really have that kind of stage presence that you need and the character that you need to just like be a front man for a band. It's exhausting for me. Um, so I was joking around with him one day and said, let me play bass for your band. He had this idea in his head. I said, let me play bass. And he's just like, do you play bass? And I lied to him and I said, yeah. <laughs> um and he found out i was lying and then you know it's it's all ideas at this point and then once everything locked down in march of what was that 2020 um i had gone out and i bought a bass and a guitar because everyone was like you know we don't know how long this is going to last and i said well i better pick up a hobby and i better teach myself a skill because i don't know if, how i'm going to come out on the other end of this but i i want to start a band and so I start noodling around. I start learning bass. And Deal with God became. Uh, it's Dylan was the originator, and then it's me and him. Uh, Paul, who played guitar for Misgiver, he hopped on drums originally, and we got Colin from Fulton. My roommate Sam plays guitar. I think that's it. <laughs> so I'm jumping around a ton. Um, yeah, it was just the just the five of us. And then most recently, you know, Paul really is a great guitar player. Um, he just he taught himself drums over the pandemic. And we were like, you know, Paul, like, what if we added a third guitar player? How heinous would that be? And we tried it out one day and D Dylan's friend David had moved back from Albuquerque. He lives in Rochester and David hops on drums and it just kind of all, all the pieces fit together so, so perfectly. But we were like, yeah, man, like this is it. This is the superior deal with God lineup. Um, yeah, I saw the pictures because I didn't go to the Integrity show last weekend, but I saw the pictures and I was like, yo, I thought that was, I, I remember Dylan saying you guys were going to have three guitar players, but I guess I, I either didn't realize that the drummer was switching around because I was kind of confused at first. Yeah. I, was like, I thought that was the drummer. All hopped off drums, and David is now playing drums. Okay. Um, now, is that well? I guess first, before we kind of dive into the whole three guitar attack that you guys are doing now, because I don't think that was like something we talked about with Dylan because it was like it was like new at the point. But yeah. for you, like not really knowing how to play bass, 
when you started and kind of having taught yourself uh, throughout the pandemic and lockdown and whatnot, like, has it been challenging playing in this band? And like, have the other guys like taught you a lot of things along the yeah, way? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I played guitar when I was 15 and I dropped it shortly thereafter just because I had no one to play with. Uh, so I have a general idea of like how to play guitar and how to play bass. Um, but those guys are really like true musicians and they know their craft really well. And they, I don't know, I feel like I'm the weakest link in the band where they kind of just teach me the parts and you know, I have a lot of ideas and I, I just try to pick up what they're doing. You know, I can like mouth riffs and stuff like that and just really shoot stuff at them. Um, but I, I'll be the first one to say I am not a musician and I am not a bass player, <laughs> but I do love playing in this band and I, I learned bass for this band specifically. Well, the band's been really active too. Cause like, even when I interviewed Dylan, you guys had a lot going on. And, and since then you guys have like, I mean, it seems like you play everywhere. You know what I mean? Like there was the Buffalo show yeah. recently, Albany. I mean, how, how has the reaction been lately in all these other cities you guys have played in the last like month or two? Really good. Um, we've, I think we finally hit all of the upstate cities, excluding Binghamton, depending on how you look at upstate. Um, there's always that argument of like, you know, what's upstate and what's not. But we've played Buffalo a couple times now. They're always really receptive of us. We really like playing with Final Declaration. Um, Rochester, we've played a couple of times. I think we played with Taking Meds. We played with Integrity. Um, did we play Bug Jar twice? I can't remember. We definitely played Bug Jar with Taking Meds a couple months ago. And I feel like we played Bug Jar another time, but I can't remember. Integrity Photo City was just a legendary experience because that's another band that Evan and I used to geek out over when we were like 18. Um, Albany with Sworn Enemy was a little shot because we had a snowstorm that day. Uh, it was still a really good time. Sworn Enemy is always a good time. Uh, that was the Wrong Move record release show. Um, and we, we covered Dying Breed which is cool because they're more active, you know, on their social media. I don't know if they're doing a reunion or what, but people were really receptive of that. Um, and then Syracuse, Syracuse, all our friends, what I like about Deal With God is um, we just, all our friends roll out and support us wherever we go. Um, so anytime we play a show out of town, people from Syracuse, people from Fulton, just drive out you know, with a couple of cars and dance real hard for us. Yeah, I've only seen you guys once, and it was when I interviewed Dylan, and there was definitely some of your friends up front going buck wild, and I had to kind of step <laughs> off to the side. I mean, I'm, you know, I've been going to shows for a while, but there's still every so often I'll see kids, and I'll be like, man, I don't want to, I don't want to get mashed into by those kids. Yeah, yeah. So I just I moved right out of the way when you guys were playing that night, you know. So uh, we got buried alive next weekends, and then yeah. we play with Undeath uh, later this month. We're playing their record release show at the Buck Char. Yeah. And then after that, um, we're trying to plan a run for May, just like a little Midwest run. Uh, that's still coming together, though. It's not announced yet. Have you guys been talking about any talking to any bands about doing like like full tours or anything yet? Or, or, or yeah, yeah, we're we're trying to do like a weekend with Final Declaration, if it's possible. But yeah. we're still it's still a work in progress. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's cool that everybody's able to to do a lot of shit. It seemed like for a minute there, and even right now, it's still happening. But like like after this last like omicron or however you pronounce it like when that yeah. wave hit over the holidays it seems like ever since that went away like all these tours got announced and it just it's just been like one after the other after the other like and there's just like 
like we don't have a ton of shows in Rochester, but like there's definitely like consistent shows here. Like Buffalo had like it seemed like four yeah. shows in one week recently. In a week, you know? yeah. Upstate's doing really, really well right now. I love, I love the energy. Um, and even being in Binghamton last night was just like, I'm gonna include that with all the upstate cities and just like it. There was easily a, over 100 people last night at that Death Before Dishonor show, which is a good turnout for something where you, you could have flipped a coin. I don't know how many people were gonna show up last night. And, yeah, it was old and young. It's the same thing you're seeing in every other scene. It's just a lot of these old faces, and then these new young kids who just kind of got into it very recently, maybe within the last year, coming out and enjoying themselves, really getting into it. Uh, jumping back to that integrity show, like I said, I wasn't there, but did uh, did any of you guys jump in the pit with Brody King that night, or were you guys just kind of <laughs> watching from afar? I didn't honestly. Um, that was like a real almost religious experience for me to just be able I, that was my first time seeing integrity i missed him when they played united blood i missed him when they played this is hardcore uh so i just stood in the back and i just watched that was something that i just wanted to take in uh dylan was definitely pitting uh definitely got smacked by brody <laughs> yeah that's crazy when he told he's the one that told me that he was that the dude was in town and i was like man i didn't even realize he was gonna be around or whatever i can't imagine like i don't i, I can't imagine doing, like some he was doing a wrestling thing, uh, like yeah. an autograph signing. Um, yeah, we have a collectible shop at Eastview Mall. He probably was doing some shit there because they have wrestling wrestling events there all the time. But I don't. Yeah. I, don't I wonder if you, and not to get too off topic. I mean, I'm a, I'm a wrestling guy, but I wonder if they like get flown around the country just to do like autograph signings in cities where there's not even like a wrestling event or anything. Well, that's what I was wondering too because I I didn't see it until after the show. I like was scrolling through Instagram and I saw the flyer for it and I was like, yeah. oh, he was doing an autograph. Like that makes sense because yeah. the whole time we're there, we see him and we're like, what the hell is he doing here? There's no way he flew yeah. out just to come see Integrity in Rochester. Yeah, yeah, because somebody said that to me. They put the connection on there. Yeah, he had an autograph sign. I was like, I wonder because there wasn't any wrestling event here or anything, so they must just get yeah. like flown around. Uh, to do promotional shit or whatever you know it's that's got to be nice you know so he did one the next night in albany from what i saw too okay so he might have just been doing like a little tour a little weekend yeah. or something i don't know how that yeah. works well he's new to aew too so they probably want to get his name out there more and like have people get yeah. for it um but i guess speaking more about that with getting the name out there and you said you guys are, are doing some like touring plans what about like recording or like an ep or a full length is anything in the works or anything yet or yeah, we're, we're writing right now. Um, we did the demo last summer and that was just like a like a pandemic thing. Like we had all gotten together. We brainstormed the demo. We decided to drop it together. And then we had our first show with You the Knife. And then we really wanted something ready for New Year's Day, which unfortunately didn't happen because of COVID. Uh, but we were like, we got to get something out. You know, we, we really wanted to push new music for that because we only had three songs and we wanted to have a longer set. So we put out a two-song promo that was ready for New Year's Day, and now that we've got five songs, our set's sitting at about like 18 minutes, 15 minutes, something like that, depending on if we play a cover or not. Um, and we definitely want to try to hit an LP. You know, that's long-term goals within the next year, uh, is to try to just get ourselves out there more, um, go record and put an LP's worth of music out. And I guess kind of starting to wrap up with the interview and whatnot. Is there anything that I missed uh, with any of the questions or anything that you'd want to touch on or anything between Binghamton and Syracuse and all that stuff? I don't think so. I know my timeline was all over the place, but uh, I really like where upstate hardcore is at in general as a whole right now. I think we got a really good thing going on from city to city. And it's cool to see everybody's individual like niche scenes uh, just growing 
like every single month. There's always, yeah, I feel like it's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger as we trail away from the pandemic. Um, not to say that it's over because it's not, but uh, people are definitely getting more comfortable with coming out. And I like seeing new bands sprout up. Um, I just, I like playing shows. I think we'll see how Buried Alive goes. I mean, Syracuse is only growing and we're going to keep trying to do big stuff here. Yeah, I think a lot of people were, were curious to see how things would come out of the other side of this with, with everything getting locked down and there not being shows for a long time. And um, like you said, it looks it looks really good so far. I'm, I'm, I'm just a little nervous that there might be too many shows eventually, but, you know, we'll see how everything kind of uh, evens out down the road, you know. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I know that, like I said, with the I'm going to have this episode up. So the Buried Alive show will be on uh, Friday the eighth. So I'll post a flyer with that with, at some point with the episode. And I know you got the undeath show on the 23rd. Um, any other shout outs or plugs or anything you want to do before you wrap it up? Uh, man, I feel like I'm on the spot now. Um, nah, man, I, I just think shout out to upstate New York hardcore as a whole. Uh, I think it's really cool because upstate's always been this kind of really difficult place, specifically Binghamton. Um, it's just hard to break out of. It's hard to get people to notice you. You really have to work harder than the average person. Whereas if you're if you're from a scene like that's really thriving, you know, maybe you're from Philly or Boston or Long Island or Richmond. Um, not to say that those people have it easier, but it's definitely like you can start a band there and you can just hit the ground running and go. Uh, and you see that with bands that started up over the pandemic, like from Long Island, you've got Pain and Truth and Koyo. And those dudes are just doing like full U.S. tours and stuff. And it's not that they aren't seasoned veterans of the genre. Um, those dudes have definitely had their fair share of touring before past bands. But um, it's just harder for I feel like we need to work harder. and It makes us more and more appreciative of what we're doing on a daily basis here and just kind of it's a very humbling experience um where you just know you feel good at the end of it when you get your result it's just like wow cool man like we did that yeah i agree and i think that might be a good way to, to end this interview and i guess uh, they'll end up episode up 71 with that uh, i want to thank colin for doing the interview uh i got a ton of episodes coming up uh, we're going to stick to two per week for the foreseeable future hopefully we got adam vernick uh, i'm going to do a full bad business interview soon uh, building on fire part two we're going to get rory van grohl and benny beyond back on here together on an episode i'm uh, going to get patrick stefano on here finally and we got plenty more coming up uh just give us a follow on social media support us on patreon and just help spread the word uh shout out to nooch uh benoit and labeth for helping out with the podcast and extra thanks to my family as always for the support uh see everyone real soon and stay safe <laughs>